0: Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the NOMCast, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week we preview and review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course our fellow critics and podcasters. The NOMCast is available on nomcastpod.com or wherever you get your podcasts on the socials at NOMCastPod and is a part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. I was going to gonna say, moments. like, the whole point I'm of not Star Wars I'm is to to shoot those freaking things to kill the Death Star. You're talking about the whole design of that movie. I'm a things little, didn't go uh, the way you I'm thought. No, them. I'm just a little <laughs> su- Stallone's playing soccer. Club. Yeah, What's going on? I'm I, watching this. I, I did, saw
1: that at a very young age and I didn't...
0: You're coming at, at me 50 hard. 50 I'm not coming you're at you hard. hard. At, yeah,
1: you are. I just don't believe her choices. Her choices are ridiculous. me, Give me an emotion. Hello, I'm Mike Butler. And I'm Mike Field. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run, we'll discuss what we love about the movie, maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. You never know, you might find your own forgotten gem. If you enjoy our podcast, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. What's up? Nothing. Last uh, daytime recording.
0: Yes, for those who don't know, I don't, well, I don't know why this is news, but for those who are not aware, we usually record Fridays. I'd like it to be in the morning, but it's usually in the afternoons. <laughs> uh, and uh, I have since uh, obtained employment where my Friday afternoons are going to be, you know, pretty much busy. So now we are moving to prime time. Woo. So uh, we will be recording now on a Friday night. You're ready for Mike field to be falling asleep at the microphone that's not gonna happen anyway, but well, I oh. think also buta we probably and I meant to tell you this off mic but I thought maybe it'd be a good idea to do a couple lives before we start shooting on night say we're on Friday night people are around just kind of like hey you know kind of even though we do record our episodes ahead of time still I oh, Thought that might be a, a new wrinkle that we could add. And That's obviously, true. Butler is very excited that we can imbibe uh, alcoholic beverages while we are doing this now. It's after so, five o'clock. Yeah, I mean I mean, obviously we could we're we're adults, we could probably drink whenever we want to, but it's a little bit more appropriate.
1: <laughs> thirty I'm <laughs> <And>, uh, <laughs> let me
0: pour some in my car. Most of the time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I guess we'll be going to Friday nights. Uh Friday night lights, I guess is what oh, that's a good we should like tie that into some kind of like uh promotional campaign. Friday night lights. Yeah. Maybe we'll I'll use the
1: Friday night lights. We'll,
0: so let's order some uh helmets and some pads and we'll start
1: stow- <laughs> well. <laughs> All right. So what are we doing today, Mike? We are doing the 2007 film Michael Clayton. One that's of right. our original like, I think uh, it was the, one of the top 10 things we put on the list on the big list, yeah,
0: yeah. I think it was in the uh, the list that we have is a, a notes uh, app uh, right. section thing. Do you remember the other ones that are up on the top of the list? I think like Atomic Blonde, Atomic Blonde's up Minority there. Report, but Minority I think we're doing Report.
1: that uh, spoiler alert next season. I think so. Uh, uh, the accountant's up there, yeah. I almost
0: chose the account for the next season, but I uh, I opted not to,
1: but anyways, we're not. We're not talking about any yeah. I think we did the first three because I think we were like, let's get at least the first three done. I think Jarhead's up there too. Jarhead is, yeah. yep, up, really up there. Yeah. So we do have a giant list that I, and
0: I just added two movies uh, right. recently. So. It's
1: like well over 200. Well, that's what we're supposed to have. That's, that's what we want. Yeah, I know. It's good. It's good that we have these things. Well, we're doing Michael Clayton today.
0: And uh, let me give you the synopsis, some facts, and we'll get into it. Problem fixer. Michael Clayton is brought in to clean up the mess after one of his law firm's top litigators suffers a breakdown while representing a corrupt chemical corporation in a multi-billion dollar legal suit. That is one sentence. Dear Lord. (laughs) Under pressure to appease the firm's clients, Clayton finds himself torn between his desire to do the right thing and a pressing need to pay off spiraling personal debts. It was going okay until the end there. I'm not a huge fan of that because it's about a whole lot more. So Michael Clayton has a runtime of 119 minutes. It's rated R. Production budget of 25 million dollars. Its wide release date uh, was October 12th, 2007. It does have a limited release date the week before, October 5th. That would just depend on the markets you were in. But honestly, the limited on October 5th was like 15 theaters. <laughs> so, and it made 719 thousand on the limited weekend. But on its wide release weekend, it made 10 million dollars. I it's 719,000. Yeah. Domestic 49 and then worldwide 93. So, not, uh, not a bad hit there. Production company was Samuels Media, Castle Rock Entertainment, Mirage Enterprises, and Section 8 Productions, which I believe is Soderbergh's uh, shingle. I'm not sure. Uh, I think
1: you're right because I think that appeared in Unsane as well.
0: Yeah. Distributed by Warner Brothers in North America and internationally was distributed by Summit Entertainment. So, on the wide release date of October 12th, it went up against We Own the Night. Tyler Perry's Why Did I Get Married? Elizabeth, The Golden Age, The Final Season, and Across the Universe. Uh, You also had on that, the 12th, uh, you had Sleuth, which is the 2007 Sleuth. Uh, (laughs) And Lars and the Real Girl, which were limited releases that weekend.
1: I've never seen Lars and the Real Girl.
0: It's it's good. It's good. I I like it quite a bit. On the 19th, it went up against 30 Days of Night. That is a movie that we did for our last season's Forgotten Horror. Mm -hmm. The Comeback. Rendition, Gone Baby Gone, Things We Lost in the Fire, and Sarah Landon and the Paranormal Hour. Oh, excuse me. And the animated The Ten Commandments and Into the Wild. A lot of stuff. Uh, wow, yeah. That's a that was, that, that, those were all wide, too. Limited, you had The Nightmare Before Christmas 3D re release Risk Cutters, A Love Story, and Reservation Road. Jesus, there's like a ton of movies coming out that weekend. The week before the fifth, you had The Heartbreak Kid, The Secret, The Dark is Rising. That was a YA book, right? I think so, yeah. yeah.
1: Feel the Noise.
0: I can't remember what that is. I think it's a dance movie. Uh, the, that's no, that's the... Um, Which one's that?
1: Isn't that the 9-11 movie? Feel the Noise? Yeah.
0: Are you thinking of the one... With the kid? No, that is like extremely loud. And oh, and... Yes, true, yes yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. No, Feel the Noise is, I think, is a dance movie. Eh, I don't know. And the Jane Austen Book Club. You also had an eliminated release on the 5th, The Good Night, The Polar Express, and IMAX, and Blade Runner, The Final Cut. Uh, which is probably the last time the Blade Runner was, obviously, because the final cut was cut up, I believe. I
1: mean, I'm sure that won't be the final cut with how many cuts. The there final, are final, final cut. Really Scott going away one more time. Final <laughs> cut. Um,
0: so this movie is written and directed by Tony Gilroy, who has, he's written all the Born movies, but he uh, he directed the Born legacy. He's also directed Duplicity, uh, and he was part of the uncredited reshoots for the Rogue One movie. Um, He also has written Dolores Claiborne, Armageddon, The Cutting Edge, for all you ice skating fans out there, Proof of Life, and the upcoming TV show, Disney Plus show, Andor, which we were talking about off mic. Cinematography by Robert Elswit, who's won an Oscar for There Will Be Blood. And he was also nominated for Good Night and Good Luck. And he just recently did King Richard. Composer was James Newton Howard, who's been nominated for nine Academy Awards. Uh, He's also done The Dark Knight, The Fugitive, and the 2005 King Kong. Uh, John Gilroy is the editor. He is the brother of Tony Gilroy, the writer-director. He has done Miracle, Nightcrawler, and Pacific Rim. And then produced by Jennifer Fox, Carrie Orent, Sidney Pollock, who is in this movie, and Steve Samuels. Fox has done The Last Duel and The Report. Orent has done A Most Violent Year and A Walk Among Tombstones. Sidney Pollock is an accomplished director. Uh, He has done uh, Leatherheads and Presumed Innocent. And then Steve Samuels has done The House at the End of the Street and In the Valley of Ela. That is the Tommy Lee Jones movie that came out um, 10 years ago, maybe? 11. Mm -hmm. George Clooney plays Michael Clayton. Uh, He has been nominated for two Oscars. He's actually been nominated for three and he won one. Do you know what movie he won one for? I don't know. Let's see. Because I did blank. I completely forgot that he won this.
1: I knew it yesterday and now I forgot.
0: He was nominated for The Descendants and Up in the Air, but he won for Siriana, That's one supporting right, yep. actor. yeah. Tom Wilkinson is Arthur Edens. He is nominated for an Oscar for In the Bedroom, a really good film. The Full Monty, another good one. Selma and the Lone Ranger, which is a, a movie we did for our a show season two, three? Two
1: or three. Early, yeah. early,
0: early. Tilda Swin as Karen Crowder. She was in Bird After Reading. Doctor Strange and Constantine. She also won an Oscar for her role as Karen Crowder in this film. So congratulations. Her only nomination and win.
1: Which is crazy to
0: me. Yes, indeed. Indeed. So She's a ph- phenomenal actor. She's such a chameleon. I mean, I can go on a Academy tangent if we'd like, but I'd, I'd like not to. But I would if you would want me to.
1: <laughs> about how it's a pop- popularity it, it contest. Happens. It's not about skill.
0: It absolutely is. It's (laughs) it's it's one movie's anointed as the chosen one. And then everybody in that movie is nominated. And it's like, "Mm, listen, it's a if it's a good movie, that's great. But not everyone deserves a nomination. But whatever. (laughs) Michael O'Keefe as Barry Grissom. He was he was nominated for an Oscar for The Great Santini. You might remember him from Caddyshack, but you also might remember him from the TV show Roseanne, where he played Jackie's uh, on and off again boyfriend. Sidney Pollack uh, played Marty Bach. He's in *The Player*, *Eyes Wide Shut*, and *Changing Lanes*, to name a few. Ken Howard plays Don Jeffries. Uh, he was in the 2008 Rambo film and the TV show *Crossing Jordan*. I guess he was a regular on that show. Merritt Weaver as Anna. She's in the TV show *Nurse Jackie*, *Marriage Story*, and *Signs*, the movie *Signs*. And then you had um, those are basically the mains. Made a couple. Feature debut people. We had a couple of cameos. We had Catherine Watterson, who was, who, was, who was in Fantastic Beasts, also the daughter of Sam Watterson. Uh, she, her role is called Thirty Years, so she yeah. was one of the lawyers. She's got two lines. I know. <laughs> uh, you had David Zayas as Detective Dalberto. Uh, I know him from Dexter, the right, TV show. Angel. There you go. And Maggie Siff, uh, who plays Attorney Number no. 1. This is her first film. You might know her from Sons of Anarchy. I also know her from Billions. Oh, I didn't even notice her. Yeah,
1: she's like, you have to like, oh, there she is. And then she's gone. So,
0: <laughs> I didn't know if you knew this. The two guys that were the killers.
1: One is Anthony Michael Hall. No, right? no, no, no. That's he not looks a, exactly. That's like Terry
0: Serpico who plays Mr. Jesus, he looks exactly no, like Anthony I know he Michael does. Hall. He does. He's <laughs> in the TV show Army Wives and the movie The Purge, the election year. But Robert Prescott, who plays Mr. Vern, who's the, the kind of the guy who who's the, the head, of head of it. Yeah. Do you know who he
1: is? He looks familiar,
0: yeah. but I didn't. Did you ever see Real Genius? Yeah. He plays Kent, the guy that put the bug in his teeth. Oh, really? Yeah. And I'm just like, whole, I go, <laughs> I texted my buddy. I go, I just realized that this guy is from Real Genius. It's like, dear Lord. <laughs> if you have not seen Real Genius, please go see it. But yeah, I couldn't believe that. It was just like, oh my God. But yeah. But then I looked in, I was looking through his uh, resume and he's been a ton of stuff. He must be, I wonder if he's New York based. Oh, maybe. Yeah. My God, this guy looks exactly
1: like Anthony Michael Hall. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, normally, uh, a lot of the movies we pick, they don't get recognized by the Academy. Mm-hmm. This movie did, though. Yes. This movie was nominated for seven Academy Awards. Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor, Best Score, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, and Best Supporting Actors, as we just said, when Tilda Swinton deserved for the all those nominations. Yes. Absolutely. Now, I can't remember... Off the top of my head, if you had seen this before, or not. Yes.
1: Okay. So I saw this in the theaters. Okay. so But you had not seen it in a while. I have not seen it since I saw it in the theaters. I so, mean, I've caught it a couple of times, like the ending scene. Sure, of course. Stuff like that. But. Well,
0: that's the best scene. I'm curious if your opinion changed, good or bad, or uh, on this film, and between watches.
1: Uh, I loved it when I first saw it. Uh, 2007, so it was my first year in college. And then I loved it. I think probably even more now because I'm more of an adult. Oh, uh, are you though? (laughs) And I think I can appreciate more. Well, I've been through film school, so I can can pick up. Maybe I'm not an adult, but I can pick up things that I think I appreciate more now. Um, But I I really liked it. It was engrossing back then. It's still engrossing now. It's two hours in a movie that easily these type of movies could easily be three hours and meander and just bog you down. This movie is awesome.
0: Yeah, this this movie is it is definitely an adult drama. Uh, and if you don't know, if you if you don't have a grasp of the story you're telling, absolutely, a hundred and nineteen minute movie could feel like three hours. And it, this doesn't. It it's not. I wouldn't say it flew by, but it doesn't feel long. It you know what I mean? Yeah. And because you are engaged, you are in you are engrossed in what's happening, why, um, you know who's after who, and and what is you is you of North, right? Uh, like, yeah. Like what are they? What are they up to? Like, what are they? And I would be honest that a lot of the stuff that I, when I first watched this, and I've seen it a couple of times when I first watched it, uh, I liked some stuff, but I wasn't really uh, clear on the machinations in terms of like who ordered what and who knew what and right. You know, that kind of thing, like who, 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 who sanctioned the hit and stuff like that and why, but then as you, uh, so I had to watch it a couple of times, but that's not the movie's fault. That's just me not paying attention. Right. Um, but so I'm able to, upon rewatching, and upon rewatch, I'm able to rediscover things in the movie and rediscover new aspects of the film. One of the things that when I watched it again for us, I didn't realize how much the score in this film really kind of carries you through in a really good way. It's not giving you, an. It's I don't think it's giving you a cue that, oh, hey, you need to feel this way. But like, when right. The, the movie starts off and it's a, such a great start of the movie. The, the monologue that happens in the story and the music's kicking in and you're just kind of like you, you're, when you're sitting down watching, you're just kind of like, you almost like you stand up and you you sit up in your seat and you're just,
1: oh, okay, uh, this, something's happening here. Like you really start, it pulls you in. It's, it's an adult drama, but it's, it starts and kind of has these undertones of being this kind of espionage thriller. I mm-hmm. mean, that's probably part of like Tony Gilroy kind of cutting his teeth on Bourne but you get a lot of that in there it starts with like you said that monologue and that music it really starts like what's going on there's some kind of there's something going on some kind of conspiracy at hand some kind of undertones um and it's not like absolute evil it's realistic corporate greed and yeah evil. Uh, that's so
0: but, i'm i'm just so unaware of that that's right
1: <laughs> it's still handled as if they were, they were like this mega like evil corporation which yeah. it, they are but I think that makes it exciting to watch the way it's presented and the way it's filmed as well. I think the cinematography really puts you in the center of the action.
0: Yeah. People who, uh, screenwriters and directors, let's just, I'll say screenwriters, people, writers in Hollywood are there for a reason, the successful ones are there are successful for a reason. They know how to write. They know how to tell a story. Uh, Yes. You can hem and haw nitpick back and forth about certain writers and that's fine. Um, I'm talking about the people, I'm talking about if you're looking at it as a whole, the middle, like eighty percent, eighty five, ninety percent of people, they're there because they have talent, right? But when you watch something like this, and with Tony Gilroy, the, the what I, what comes to mind when I think of it is that he really knows what he's doing. Like he knows how to tell the story, yep. and so so there's a confidence factor going into a Tony Gilroy film where I'm like, I'm gonna get something that's well written. Yeah. You know, like I'm gonna get something that is not just I wrote, I did three drafts, and it's it's great it's something that I know that he did 20 drafts of and he researched the heck out of it and he's just meticulous. And so I feel safe going into a Tony Gilroy film going, I'm going to see something or I'm going to, it might not be a movie I love, but there's right. going to be sections of this movie that I'm really going to dig. And I know it. Yes. So, and I, and so, and Michael Clayton is one of those films that the whole thing is something I dig and I love. So <laughs> uh, I, I, to that point, yes, I, I, I think that it's, he's just such a strong writer. And I think you can't, I can't go wrong seeing any of his films. You can't go wrong seeing this film. This, you know, spoiler. I love this movie. This movie is fan- this movie is fantastic. And one of my notes is that this movie would. There's not enough of these movies now. Would you say?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. These these were kind of like, early, uh, late 2000s films, and then they kind of have died out. It seems
0: the adult drama, the modern day adult drama movie has dwindled. I'm gonna say disappear, but it has
1: dwindled for a variety of reasons.
0: Right. One of the reasons would be. We love this script. Can you make it a six-part series so we can put it on Peacock? Exactly,
1: it's going to streaming. Right. Or even if it is a film, it's going to Apple Plus. Right, or Apple TV rather, or Amazon. because right. Amazon and Apple do a really good job at picking and finding. Yes, f- films like
0: this. That's yeah. The, the 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 movies in themselves, they're either taken away from the movie market. Uh, excuse me, the. Uh, theatrical market. yeah, the theatrical market and they're put on streamers to get you to go there. If you don't go there, then you're never, you're going to miss them. You're going to miss out on them Yep. or they're broken up into, into a series where they're going to put somewhere. And you, and again, you miss out on it. Like not everything needs to be broken up. Like if this movie, if this movie was taken into a six part series, I do not think I would be as interested in this film because now you have to go into, you have to do character dives into all the characters. And quite honestly, I'm only there for Michael Clayton.
1: Yeah, I agree. But I would also like to, if you focus maybe half on Michael, and half on Arthur and kill Arthur a little oh. later. But, yeah, I think it works better as a movie because, like I said, it doesn't meander. Right. But I think if you made a series of Michael Clayton films, features, a series, even books, I think that's very interesting. So I think his job as a bagman or as a fixer is very interesting. He's got a very sure. interesting kind of like uh, Marty says, you've got a niche. Yes. He's not like your typical like I know you like to show Bosch or whatever. where He's a lawyer, right? No, he's, no, he's, he's an
0: L.A. he's an L.A. cop. You the Billy Bob Thornton? He's,
1: he's a lawyer. Oh, uh, Goliath. Goliath. Yes, yep. that's what, like a lawyer show. Or and you get your law and orders. So you're either cops or lawyers. And like his brother says, also, yeah, you got all the lawyers thinking you're a cop. You got all the cops thinking you're a lawyer. You got them all fooled, don't you? Yeah. Except for you. Like mm-hmm. that's he's a very interesting character. So I could watch a series where it's like four or five episodes of him delving into some kind of case. Mm-hmm. I could do that. I don't know, because
0: uh, just to give you an example, uh, I don't, you haven't watched it, but I watched The Reacher Show.
1: I haven't watched that show. Before. And, and
0: it, it's it's entertaining. It's it's nine episodes, eight or nine. It's entertaining. It's good. But there are times when it's like, I feel like we're just dragging because we got to get to nine episodes. But Filler and that's, episodes, yeah. yeah, and that's, uh, you know, that's I don't I don't want that in them. I want you know what I mean? Like there there is it's becoming of extreme skill now. To, for brevity, for somebody to understand how to tell a story in 120 minutes, 120 pages. Oh yeah, pages. Well, we talk about that all oh, the time. Yeah, Even yeah.
1: off mic, how every movie is three hours when it right. comes out. Right. Even superhero films. It's like you don't need three hours no. of action or drama yeah. or anything.
0: Just because you can do it doesn't mean you should yeah. do it. That's 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 I'm called editing. I know. <laughs> I oh, that's good. Go down. <laughs> Like I'm just, I, I can keep going on. I don't want to because I want to talk about the movie because. You mentioned Arthur Eden's. You mentioned Tom Wilkinson. I want to talk about his assassination scene. Uh, yes, <laughs> I was talking to my buddy again about it because I had mistook what they did in the beginning. So, it, one thing I love about this scene, and I just talked about how the music is everywhere. There's no music in this scene. No, it is a matter of fact. We're killing this guy, and we're making it look like he overdosed on pills. So, when they first he knocks, they knock on the door, and they go in, yep. and they shock him, and then they put that.
1: The inhaler in his mouth.
0: It's not. See, that's what I asked. I asked my buddy. I go. They they inhale. He's like, no. They're shooting pills down his throat. It's a puff of air. Oh, that
1: it's a pill shoots okay. pills
0: right down his throat. And I'm just like, that's. I mean, I, I I say this because I like the movie. That's awesome. Like, just they take him, they pick him up, they bring him into the
1: bathroom, they, they give him the liquid pill, from right? The and
0: it's and they're talking to each other like it's what? like we're at work. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, like, absolutely. Don't it's, miss it. Don't miss it. Don't it's miss the vein. Surgical, like, yeah. yeah,
1: it's so. He you knows that a slide. He slides right from his head to under the foot.
0: with yeah. ease. It's so efficient and so precise. It's terrible because you're watching them assassinate this guy, but it's the way the scene is shot and the way, it, the way the actors perform it. It's, I mean, it's so, it's so awful when you watch Eden's hand start shaking and they're like give to the pulse. It's just, yep.
1: it's, sure he's dead. it's
0: such a good scene. And it's, it, it, it it's almost like you want to show that scene. There's a couple scenes in this movie. This, this one that I'm talking about now is, if i was teaching a film class that's these that's a scene oh, i would absolutely. show it's like you want to do something like And it's like the whole thing is showed on film.
1: That entire shot, and it's a tracking shot, right? It is. Uh, They
0: they they track when they go into the room, but I think they cut when they get into the bathroom because they have to, right? But you're right. No, it is a tracking shot.
1: It it, to start off, they have that one shot. How long do you think it took them in rehearsal to get that right?
0: They probably rehearsed the heck out of that. I mean, it probably helps that it's a studio apartment too, so they're able to move around a lot. Oh yeah, you got to cut off. They yeah, they had to rehearse that a bunch of times. But that's like that's the. It's such a simple scene. And I don't mean it's simple in terms of like, oh, that stuff they're doing is easy. But it's such a simple, we're coming to assassinate this guy. And this is what's happening. Boom, 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 done. That I think people overthink scenes. I think people overthink, you know, when they're shooting something. Okay, yep. now he needs to be murdered. How are we can do it? It has to be at
1: night. Yeah, It has to be by this lamp because yeah. we need this lighting right, right now. Here it's stark white, a cloudy day, mm-hmm. just boom. Center of the, the loft to the end of the loft. Yeah. Just here we go.
0: They could have easily done stuff where it's like he's in the room and there's shadows and you see the hand, the head, them Roll running by. Cuts, yep. And he's like, well, what's that? And like, they could have easily done that kind of stupid stuff. As he dies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they didn't. Yep. It was and it was like right after another scene where he's just like, boo, boo, knock on the door. Like, oh, what's going on here? Yes. Boom, boom. Oh, my God. What are they doing? <laughs> like, so it's just such a uh, such a well put together scene. well put put together moment in the movie like i said it would be it would be a take that scene i would show uh potential film students like this look at this
1: and let's talk about what you like
0: about this scene
1: what i also like is it's the perfect it's not a perfect end. it's such a heartbreaking end to his character yes because you watch him as this absolute insane lunatic i think the first time you really you well you get his his rambling monologue at the beginning but then you the next time you see him the first time you physically see him i think is the video right
0: is well, the video it, of him taking his clothes yes, off.
1: Yes, yeah. Um, And which is absolutely crazy. And then he's kind of nuts talking to Michael and then he gets this lucid state and his the last time you really see him is one of my favorite kind of monologues where he goes like, I have great affection for you, blah, blah, blah. You leave your rich, interesting life. But then he kind of threatens Michael when Michael's like pushing too hard. He goes, think you got horses for that? Well, good luck and God bless. But I'll tell you this, the last place you want to see me is in court because like he's supposed to be like a mastermind at in the courtroom. And like he's getting his kind of, he's still crazy. He's got a whole bag of baguettes, but he's, he's got, he's become more lucid. He's got a mission. He's, he knows what he's doing. He's, he's on the right side for once. And then the very next scene you see him is that assassination. Yeah. But it's a great character arc. And it's, it's short. It's about halfway, made three quarters of the way through the film. And then boom, now you, all your focus is on Michael Clayton.
0: Yeah. He's got to kind of like a come to Jesus moment. He's got to figure out, I mean, now you could say that that part comes with the explosion of the car when they try to kill him.
1: Oh, for Michael! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Although did, he does feel bad about Arthur being dead, because you can see he's, you know, I'm, I'm just a janitor, like he tells the guy that, which is another great scene.
0: Oh no, absolutely! Did the did the non-linear storytelling aspect throw you off a little?
1: You know, I loved it when I saw it the first time, right? But when I watched it this time, I did have a note that goes, I don't know if I needed the four days earlier.
0: The title thing?
1: The I mean, the title thing, yeah. But I mean, you just in general. Okay. Like, I don't know if I needed to open it with the car explosion. Obviously, they want to open it with something exciting. Well, they open
0: it with the monologue that he tells them in the, in the jail the cell. Right, but then you right. go, when you
1: first meet Michael, it's the, the car accident, and then the horses, and then the explosion. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But I, I, I think the movie would have been fine to do it more linear. I don't think you needed the four days earlier. It didn't really throw me too much, but I remember liking it the first time and not really... I mean, it was fine. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you definitely have to take that out, yeah. but I don't think it was necessary.
0: Well, I just think it was a choice. Maybe it may be a choice that you might not have done or someone else might have done, but it was just a kind of a choice to,
1: I mean, it's just kind of to send you where, how did it get to this kind of thing? Like every time I see that now, I'm just reminded of the Rick and Morty episode where they're talking about the guy who's reading a screenplay to Morty and he goes, cut to 12 days earlier. And then Morty just rolls his eyes. <laughs> and now I'm just like, maybe that is lazy storytelling. I originally didn't care. And now I'm, Every time I think of, it, I go, did they need it?
0: Well, I don't think it's. I, I understand what you're saying. I, I think that Michael Clayton does it well, and I think when a movie does it well, everyone copies. Like how many times? And this, is, I'm going to go off track here, but <laughs> I, I, I don't remember what it was—a TV show or a movie—and um, it was a popular one. And they talk about the parable of the frog and the scorpion, and I, you've heard this, oh, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um And it, not that it's not brand new, but it just you didn't hurt it on a, in, a, in a movie or and TV. Now in front of, and it. now I see it everywhere. I'm just like, you guys, I mean, like, I get it. Like, you all know each other and you're all influenced by each other. But why do you put it into your script if you've already heard it? That's so you're just copying at this point. Like, oh, really? I haven't heard that one. I remember the same thing, too, with Tomorrowland with uh, Feed the Right Wolf and all that stuff. Oh, like uh, in which wolf? TV. Time, yeah. And it was everywhere again after that. I'm like, it's. It, was it? it? They were. They. It might. It might not have originated with Tomorrowland, but it was in something else beforehand. That's okay, because I don't remember that. Being I've, in anything I'm. Until- I'm saying I. I. I heard it gotcha, in a couple of okay. things, TV or movies. I just
1: sometimes they see something that works and they just they take it and run with it. I mean, but Michael Clayton's not the first one to do cut 10 days earlier. No, I got you. I this is you. Me. TV shows. You're dude. probably wondering how I got
0: here. TV shows do that. You know who does that a lot is billions. They do that a lot. They'll 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 start off their movie,
1: their, their episode, and then it'll be like 48 hours earlier. I'm just like, okay, here we go. <laughs> they do that a
0: lot. <laughs> I like that show, but they do it a lot.
1: I just think if your story is exciting enough, you don't need to cut something further down the line. It's just a
0: different way to. It's just a different storytelling. I get technique. it. I don't. I don't. I don't. Not like it as much as I don't like. I don't uh, hate it. I'm just uh, saying, is there a better way? To do I was it saying, about? I was saying, I don't like it as much as I don't like voiceover, just because oh, I you, you know,
1: well, because it's it's sloppy. <laughs> I, voiceover works <laughs> in certain. We've talked about like works in the waters and stuff, but yeah. Yeah.
0: So would you have liked this movie if Denzel Washington played Michael Clayton because he uh, turned
1: down the role? Yeah, I, I, I would have. Would you think? Well, you think it would be better? Ooh. I like George Clooney. I don't think he's amazing. He's always pretty George Clooney. Well, he definitely he's got it. great his... for Michael Clayton.
0: Yeah. Well, you can't, yeah, now that he's done the character, you can't really picture anyone else. I got you.
1: But now I can still picture Denzel as the character. Because Denzel's so good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I think I would have still liked it. Yeah yeah i would have so i guess that.
0: denzel turned it down and clooney actually turned it down because they were skeptical of first time director tony gilroy i
1: saw that it's like yeah. he's done. It, it's not like he's
0: brand new well he wasn't he hadn't directed anything he just wrote yeah and but- then clooney met him and then he, he was convinced and Too washington has regret has said he's regretted turning the movie down
1: after seeing it it makes sense because it's fucking awesome
0: you know like <laughs> uh, clooney's really good in this and we both obviously like denzel washington but i think if denzel did this role he probably would have won an oscar like you know what I mean, like oh, that. Be- just last, just based on him being yeah. Denzel Washington, his last monologue would have been awesome. Oh yeah, could you imagine? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, Clooney does it great, but yes, could you imagine? You know, paid Denzel Washington ten thousand know, dollars. Could you read this little bit of here for me? <laughs> Can we see it?
0: <laughs> uh, Sidney Pollock, who's in the like I said is in the movie, plays Clayton's boss. Well. Freelance boss, I guess right. he actually read the script. He wanted to
1: direct, and he it. wanted to direct
0: it. And to Gilroy I was like, "No, no, I'm saving this for me." I'm like, "Damn!" I mean, I don't know if I could have done that. I would have been like, "Yeah, go ahead."
1: <laughs> Depends on how much, like, how long he was working on it. Like,
0: but it's his dream script. It, but I mean, I don't. I know you've seen some of Pollock's films. Yeah. For those who know Sidney Pollock, this almost is like a Sidney Pollock. Film. Oh, absolutely. You know what it I mean? Perfect. For yeah. It. Yeah. No, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. It would. I could just. I could just see Sidney Pollock's name all over this uh when this movie when this movie came out, that's, this
1: came out a year before you died too yeah
0: it, it did yeah, that's a yeah, rest in peace um did you know that this the parallax view was cited as an influence to this film? Have you ever seen the parallax view? No, I know of it, but I've never seen it it's uh it's not it's kind of like along the lines of like three days of the condor it's a there's a conspiracy and they're trying to stop um an assassination, assassination. They're yeah stopping it or they're trying to they're trying to, they're oh, trying okay. to. um Warren baby. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's not as good as those other... I don't think it's as good as those other spy films back right. in the 70s, but it's de- it's definitely a, a 70s film that I would recommend if you were looking for something that you hadn't seen.
1: Yeah. I would. If I ever saw it and I was, had time, I would definitely watch Black because mm-hmm. I know a lot of people talk about it being really good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's some basis to the case of You of North because the You of North case is that they're spreading like a chemical, like a toxic so it's a, chemical. It's like a, a-
1: basically a weed killer- Right. That has a odorless, tasteless chemical in it that will just basically destroy your cells. It's affecting
0: human tissues. Yeah.
1: And there's a memo
0: that says that they know about it- But it costs too much to- To do it. Right. Measure. So this is actually based in some, in some respect, according to Clooney, on the Fort Pinto case, where um, there was an- I don't know if you're aware of this. There was an internal memo uh, that calculated the cost of recalls versus lawsuits brought by people- who would be killed by the carcass of Ford Pinto had a defect, and they determined, and this is in the memo, that it was just cheaper to pay off the claims and not fix the problem. And like, so if go look it up because that's pretty bad. <laughs> but like, so there's some basis to this case in the movie uh, compared to like the Ford Pinto case, His which file two
1: twenty nine it was or two ninety nine two twenty nine. I don't remember. I don't remember. Uh, basically number. said, hey, the weed killer is going to be too expensive to change. The tissue damage. Yes, we have to remake the whole formula. Right, and that's what Arthur finds that, yep. even though it was supposed to. All those documents were supposed to have been burned.
0: And then he makes the twenty-five cases of thousands of copies. Yeah. And when what, what, and when those guys, the Mister Iker and Mister Vaughn, was that right, Mister Mister Burke, Mister Vern, oh, Mister Vern, Mister Iker, who are the bad guys, who are the assassins, the the uh, the hand, the utility men of uh, Europe North. Yeah. yeah, they go and they buy a case of them. They get a case from the shop because they right. follow Clayton there. Well, you didn't get the other twenty five. Like you just got the one case. We got a problem. Why didn't you get all twenty five cases? Hey, my
1: buddy wanted me to grab a copy of that thing. Yeah, that probably would have worked better. Yeah, but he didn't know the conversation, so he didn't know there were twenty. True. People. Okay, that's He's true. Just, hey, can I get a copy of what my buddy had? I was supposed to get one. Too. Yeah, maybe you're right. Okay, we. Yeah, you're right. right. And the copy guy is actually Tony Gilroy's son. Apparently, nice. Look at him. <laughs> oh. Nepotism at work. Yeah, get that sad card. <laughs> <laughs> His wife's also apparently the person the. One of the people that works for Tilda Swinton, I think. Oh, just kind of like the background. the background? Yeah. Ah, all right, cool.
0: What did you think of... I mean, obviously, she won the that award for Best Supporting Actress. What did you think about the Tilda Swinton character? The uh, uh, she's, Karen... The original Karen. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. The Karen Crowder character.
1: Uh, she's uh, awesome. I mean, she's clearly the villain, but she's also someone who's just way in, way over her head. Well, when you first meet her and she's crying in the stall, you don't
0: realize that. It's you think she's crying because she's the pressure, just whatever. Just the pressure of the job. But you don't realize that it's because she just ordered somebody to get murdered. A second person. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> so she's like crazy. At, like she's just way in over her head, trying to keep her job, trying to keep Don Jeffries safe.
0: Well, yeah, the the... the the Don Jeffries and all the uh older white board members, all the men. Right. You know, and like she's the only kind of female, female there. On the board, yeah. You could definitely say like when she's rehearsing all her stuff and you could definitely work say work life
1: balance. Well, when you love what when you love what you when you love what you, oh God, you, yeah. love what you do. I and it's say- it's and it's hilarious now because not hilarious, but
0: with the pandemic, Work life has become a huge thing now in terms of in the corporate culture because, because people, they don't want people to leave because everyone's like, F you, I'm out of here then. And like oh no, no, we love work
1: life. We love work life. You can see her. That's all her life is. Yeah. And like, I love that they, you know, they show her, you know, you know, with her in in her bra or in like her tank top and she's imperfect. Oh yeah. I I just really like those shots that really humanizes her as like this. She's the villain Mm -hmm. clearly, but she's also very human. And very flawed and in over her head she doesn't necessarily like she chooses obviously she says do the other thing which she knows is assassinate when she's talking to mr because uh, she wants to save her it's 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 her career against someone else right so she orders the hit on arthur but you can tell like she doesn't really want to she's super nervous about it um i think she does an amazing fantastic job she's very vulnerable as a villain like it's, it's very interesting the way it's written
0: i'm curious if a lot of the stuff that they did with her character was in the script or was from her because i i i don't know her process as an actress right. but I, I i get the sense that she does a lot of research probably brings a lot to the table that's what i'm guessing oh i'm sure you yeah. know what i mean in terms of like i think like Kind of like, you know, some actors and I know you know this probably, you know, you kind of write your little backstories, you know, like try to where your motivations are coming from, even when a director's like, ah, hey, you're just happy. You're like trying to figure out why it's you're happy. The
1: number one thing that um in one of my acting classes they tried to hammer down is always make a journal. Doesn't matter what character you are, if your background extra, I don't care. You write down Well that helps uh, you. a summary of your page. Yeah, because yeah. then you always have something to look back to. When you're not doing dialogue, when you're not speaking, you like that's like at the, the end of the film, the credits are Michael Clayton in the taxicab reflecting oh, on everything right? that happened. You ha- and you need you, that. You can't do that without having that backstory, without yeah. knowing your character inside and out. Until the Swinton is such a chameleon and such a great actress. There's no way she doesn't do that. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Although I, I also would very highly doubt that Tony Gilroy, kind of like Michael Mann, doesn't give them... Like a, a whole report on here's where you were born. Yeah,
0: I don't know. I don't. I know we know we've talked about man being like really uh, in depth on the back. Yes. Of yeah. Right? Uh, so proficient on all that stuff. So I don't
1: know how what Goro would be like. But I mean, so I know he made the game. That's uh, the book series. Yeah. He kind of wrote the first couple pages of every chapter. And so yeah, there's so in that. the in the movie,
0: Michael Clayton's son, uh, who they cut out his wife, uh, Jennifer L plays his wife. Uh, his girlfriend. His girlfriend, right? But oh, right. You're right. But but he does pick up his son from his ex wife's. He does pick up his son from his ex wife. Yeah, I mean, she's in the movie. Yeah, but like briefly. Stepfather, yeah. But yeah, not really. Often. But I mean, and that's fine. So like he, his son is reading this book called Realm and Conquest, and Gilroy wrote the first two chapters of it. They they designed the cover. It's supposed to be like a young adult book that's about the metaphor for truth and justice. Mm-hmm. But they they did all they created everything for it. So that stuff he's reading is from is them, right, which yeah. is which is pretty cool. But also, yeah, that, that's, the, that's the detail as a writer that Gilroy goes into. Uh, I mean, I don't. maybe he gives the building blocks to the actors and actresses about what he, what he wants and tells them, go off and let me know when you come back and we'll work on that.
1: I think that'd be cool. I mean, I mean, I think that's if I was writing something like this, maybe I would do that. Give the actors some leeway to make their own backstory. Right. I'd come back to me. Let me see what you got for a backstory. Right. Because what was it that I was reading? Someone. Oh, it was Harry Potter, I think. I was watching like a documentary about it. And you were supposed to write as a curan. Alfonso Cuaron wanted them to do a report on what your characters would have done over the summer or something like that to see how deep they would be in character. And everyone wrote like something like Harry Potter wrote a page. Emma Watson wrote a report basically. Yeah. And Rupert Grant just didn't do it.
0: Yeah. Which is.
1: On par with it, obviously. <laughs> Uh But I, I, I like that idea of the director going, let me, let me see how far along you are with your character. Cause then you know who you have to work with maybe more or less based on that.
0: Sure. Sure. And that's a, that was the third movie he did, right?
1: Prisoner was the third. third yeah. yeah, yeah. But I, I always thought that was a really interesting story because I think that's cool too.
0: Well, I mean, you, you're you investing six months of your life into, a, into telling a story between pre-production, production, and post.
1: You want to make sure you're active. Yeah, I mean,
0: I, I think you'd want somebody who... You'd want a bunch of people involved that are invested. And, right, sure, you know yeah. I mean, you don't want... You don't want George Clooney to show up the day before. I got it. And You know, yeah, this, uh, yeah. John
1: John uh, Jeffries, right? Yeah. which was my. That's okay. that's
0: how you get mediocre films. That's how you get films. You're like, yeah, so it is all right. You know, that that's that's how you get. That's what you get when you do stuff like that. Yep. You know, you're gonna your output is what is going to match your input all the time. And so, you know, I think that's when you know people put the work in. I think you you can't help but just respect sure. what's good. And you're and honestly, the out and what you're going to watch is going to be something worthwhile. Oh yeah. So the Mercedes Benz S Class that they used to explode mm-hmm. was actually a, a a car they used in the Devil Wears Prada. Did you hear this? I
1: saw that and they cut it in half.
0: So in the in Devil yeah, Wears Prada, they, they took, took the car and they cut it right in half so that they can process have process shots between Streep and Hathaway. So like they can just go back and forth, back and forth. Right. Then they said so they took the car and they welded it back together so they could explode it, which is like, all right. Well, I
1: guess you got your best. You got all the best out of it. You could right exactly. I thought that was interesting. We buy a whole new Mercedes-Benz, eh, let's, let's stick some tape on this guy, paint it, and blow it up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I almost want to go back and see if I can spot the welding marks. They said all they did was paint over it. No, oh, probably. They're I'm probably sure you bumpy. can see it. Yeah. yeah.
0: Did you know what the fake title was when they shipped it to theaters? I didn't even know this. We probably had this movie. That's the fake title. Yeah.
1: I, I had read it, and then I forgot about State's it. State's Attorney. Yeah.
0: All right. I never even read those half the time because they come in the... like When they started coming on hard drives, and I'm pretty sure Clayton was a hard drive. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like you just open it up and look. You don't even look at the
1: the sticker. Yeah, they're all they're all fake titles.
0: Yeah.
1: Although the Batman had the Batman on it, which I was surprised. So well, I was like, oh, Buzz Lightyear is some kind of weird title.
0: Oh, the Lightyear, Anything the new with one.
1: The Lightyear, what did we get?
0: Oh, oh, Buzz Lightyear or the movie, the new movie. Yeah. Yeah. Any, yeah. Any
1: ad marketing and stuff is always a different. Uh, space Disney. title. That's Disney. Disney always. Disney
0: yeah. Then Clayton's not Disney. Warner Bros. is like
1: whatever. <laughs> Go steal this hard drive. We'll just send another one. You can't unlock it anyway. <laughs>
0: pretty much I mean you know, I mean we try
1: <laughs> what did you think of the backstory with Michael Clayton and his uh failing bar I mean that featured so heavily in your summary uh, I
0: think it I think it's the ticking clock it's the reason why Michael Clayton's doing what he's doing the reason why he accepts the check from Bach right. yeah I think it's just kind of it's his and the audience's personal ticking clock on what drives him right now. He's trying to get out. He makes him a. It makes him a part of the story and makes him an antihero kind of thing. thing. Sure. He's a bad guy trying to do right, but he's trying to get out and try to. You know, you find out that he t- he went in with the bar with his brother because he wanted to believe in his brother and he gambled right. on his brother, um, and you know, so
1: he's got a gambling. Problem yeah, I,
0: I think it just makes him because yeah, he's a failing bar, but it's not his fault that it failed. His brother is a drug addict. Uh, and his brother uh so but he just he he screwed up michael had to you know has to be trying to pick up the pieces and fix this now so i I think it's just it just gives you some character to to clayton and the reason why i uh, i think it also gives shows you why he's not going to take the payoff at the end like when he's setting her up at the end Mm -hmm. you you kind of get the sense that he's not he's doing this for a reason. Like he's doing right. this to to get her on tape to, to Connor because if he just like burned the bar down or something to try to and cash out himself, the fact that he did the bar for his brother kind of shows him as somebody who actually is a good person.
1: Right. He does what's right. He right. wants to be out. He doesn't even want to be, uh, even if he wasn't a fixer, quote unquote, with mm-hmm. the bagman anymore, he wants to go back to being a trial lawyer. Mm-hmm. You know, he said he was good at it. He was the assistant DA uh, for New York city at, at one point. Which yeah. is interesting because then he's he's in debt with the mob basically for that's eighty grand. Well, he or probably it's
0: pro- it probably because he knows them through working in New York, yeah. being a fixer, and he's like, listen, I got a sure thing. My my brother's doing right, this. Yeah. yeah.
1: But I think it's interesting because his brother's a cop, his father was a yep. police chief or whatever. Right.
0: Everyone knows everyone, you know. Yeah. It's like it's when but you, you get
1: that he because when he's at work and you see him like I'm making all the calls, he knows yeah. everybody who can connect you to everybody. But that's that's I believe all
0: that. You know what I mean? Like it's believable. oh sure, yeah, yeah um what uh, one of the scenes i liked was when she when karen crowder gets the phone call and she's walking with jeffries and everybody and then she gets the phone call to say like we've got a problem and then she stops and they all walk ahead of her yep. and she's walking back i thought that was a really good moment oh uh, i i, I like that scene quite a bit um just kind of like the, the the way it's set up um you talked about uh the scene with arthur with the the baguettes I think, uh, and one of my notes there, because when he re- replies to Clayton and goes after him, I, I I like that scene quite a bit as well because also it shows that he's
1: maybe off his meds, but he's not that off. He's not crazy. Right, yeah. right. So I like that, the way they did that scene. That scene always, when I saw it originally, I and mean, when I see it now, like when I first saw it, I was like, he's winning the he's winning best supporting actor for right. me. And then he didn't, and I was pissed. And then <laughs> I saw it then, and I was like, he still should have won best supporting actor. <laughs> <laughs> he he is, is so good as Arthur.
0: We talked about the ending a little bit. What did you, I mean, I don't think there's really much else you can do with that ending.
1: You don't, I don't really want to see the rest of it, you know? No, always, I'm saying like it's,
0: I'm saying it's perfect it, the way it is. It is. Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, it's, it's, it's also like kind of a nice throwback ending to films like, you know, I, obviously I haven't seen, Par- I haven't seen Parallax, but uh, films of that time where they just kind of end like French connection and stuff where you don't need this big wrap up like the of the of the of the film like i don't need to see what happened to michael clayton i don't need words on the screen saying Michael Clayton paid back his bar. He actually became <laughs> an assistant district attorney. His relationship with his dad and son. Been he's, he's married with three kids in <laughs> yeah, upstate New I York. Don't, I don't need that. I don't need Karen Crowder fixing problems such as
0: yeah fixing problems such as his gutters.
1: And you know you know the movie would end with like you North paid a settlement and it still continues. Oh yeah, yeah. That's uh, how I mean, it would she's end. she's getting arrested and
0: um she's gonna be scapegoated and they're just gonna go on. They're gonna pay a huge fine. Yeah. but they're not going to. In, there's nothing they're just gonna pay a huge fine to lose money and exactly. that's it plus
1: yeah. don jeffrey's like you don't even get the thought think like i don't think he knows that she he does he killed but he doesn't he, know he that, that the, the memo's out guys. but he
0: doesn't know that the memo's out there right she just asked for the 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 black ops guys where she'll be she could be like john jeffrey's told me about them and they'll right. be like well why did you have him but well who are these guys how do you know them and he's he'll lawyer up but no the fact that his name is on that memo he'll probably have to resign as ceo they'll be like well then you knew about this yeah. poison
1: it did nothing yeah
0: right I don't know if the, because I know it's also up against the attorneys. They have a merger coming up with the London office. I don't know if that would affect that merger because they do do a settlement. So their business is done. I don't know if they would be retained
1: for like you of North's future problems. Well, like he's like you North would probably bring the Arthur stuff back up and go. He didn't do his part of the job. But also you North killed Arthur. So that's also, you know what I mean? If there's proof of that. Yeah. that's the thing I hear you. although she kind of admits that with the silence and the pay, the payoff so yeah
0: yeah try 10 that, <laughs> that's a great scene in the end when he when he shakes her down and they, he records it let I me mean, take a picture once he takes a picture of it oh yeah. all, that's, that's such a great scene um I do like when he gets into the cabin drives around and the credits start rolling and it's like when you're in a movie theater and when, when you're watching a movie like that and the movie ends and the credit starts and the music and it's just a picture of him. It's almost like it, it allows the audience to decompress in the theater. Just
1: like Michael Clayton's decompress. Right. Yeah. Because
0: one of the things I can't stand as a movie goer, and I, mind you, I've not been to the theaters in three years for a variety of reasons, not pandemic related, but there's really nothing. I'm lazy. <laughs> but I hate when you watch a film and you love it and everyone's up, oh, let's go. Boop, boop, and everyone's out. And Okay. Where are we going now? It's like, can we just, can we just relax and, Kind of take in what we just watched, and I, I thought I need a semicircle of friends out in the lobby, like people like to do, and My and hold court when, when. And if you don't notice this when you're in the lobby after a big movie and you see a circle of guys all standing around with their with their with their legs all stretched you know, their, their legs all out like they're in like a stance or hands in their pockets or their full arms are folded and they're just talking at each other and they're talking with their heads tilted up and like oh yeah you know what i like that part of that movie and they're just like that's what i'm talking about i don't need that <laughs> i don't need that circle of hey look at us we're talking about a film everybody but i think this moment in the movie is a time where you can sit in the theater like oh man I'm like you could just take it in Yep. and like where Michael Clayton on screen is decompressing from what just happened. You are decompressing as you,
1: after you watch this film, I don't know how you feel about that. I, but. I absolutely feel the same way. You could tell in his, in his eyes, like he's different emotions. He's like mad. Then he gets sad. Then he gets just like, yeah, We let's air out. Like, oh, it's over though. And at the end, he's got a little bit of a smile. It's just like, it's perfect. Well, I think a, casu- absolutely perfect. a casual person who oh, I
0: like watching movies, casual, just probably sees that. And is just like, oh, okay, it's the end somebody who loves movies or an actor or somebody who knows the process, right. you're seeing acting on screen. You're it's like, you know what I mean? You yeah. are seeing just as much effort on screen at that moment as you did in the previous scene when he shakes down Karen Crowder. Yep. So I think recognizing that is just, and I'm not saying like we see something you don't, I'm not saying that I'm just saying we're recognizing that and we're under, we're saying, Hey, this is, he's doing a lot of stuff It's not just him sitting in the cab relaxing because exactly.
1: Yeah. George, just stay here for five minutes. Yeah,
0: He's performing, which is fantastic.
1: Yep, absolutely. In a close up with no dialogue, trying not to stare at a camera that I'm sure is like on his nose almost.
0: So I, we talked about some of the lines. What are some of the lines you lo- you liked in the movie? I know you talked about the end. and We talked about you know try ten. You know like when when he's <laughs> when he's shaking it out. One of the lines I like that I'm going to use all the time now is "You're wrong. You're way the fuck wrong." I want to use that line all the
1: time now. <laughs> I like. Uh, I'm an accomplice. You're a manic depressive. <laughs> like just how
0: quick he uh, he says that line. Yep. Obviously when he, the shakedown, when he's like, I'm not the guy you kill, I'm the guy you buy. Are you so fucking blind that you don't even see what I am? I sold out Arthur for 80 grand. I'm your easiest
1: problem and you're going to kill me. Kill me, yep. But, like, I also like... We got to meet somewhere else. Oh, somewhere else. Okay, like like my car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like his eighty grand line is there's so much honesty in that
0: line. Yeah. Like he's like, you just buy me off. You st- but you tried to kill me. So you know what? Fuck you. Here yeah, we exactly. go. Exactly. Yep. It's like that's what you feel like. You feel like he's saying, which is great. And you talked about I'm not a miracle worker. I'm a I'm the janitor. I
1: love that. There's no play here. There's no angle. There's no champagne room. I'm Not a miracle worker. I'm a janitor. Yeah. The math on this is simple. The smaller the mess, the easier for me to clean up. Yeah. You hit a guy. You just <laughs> drove off. <laughs> exactly. I'm saying. I like, I like a couple of people for this. Yeah. But I love, like even the guy's wife in the background does a really good job just in the background with the cup, like clearly shaken up by all of it. And right. He's trying to make all these excuses and she just tosses the glass. I That scene is just incredible. Well, like that guy's an asshole and he's going oh, to Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Fix he this. He was running in the street. I, I, you take that, you take the fog, you take the road, you take that. It's like, <laughs> come on, dude. <laughs> I want to get Marty on the phone. I want to get Marty on the phone. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, So obviously we love it. We like this movie quite a bit. But Butler, why is this movie forgotten? Why are we saying it's forgotten?
1: I think a lot of what we talked about before, adult dramas just kind of are relegated to streaming platforms or uh, six or seven part series, um, which is ironic because these are the kind of series that HBO does. And it's, it's actually available on HBO Max right now. But I think that that's how you see these films. You see them as long four, five, six part series that you have to like, or you're wrong, or you have to want to watch. And it's like, I don't want to watch those. Yeah, I don't want to sit down. Like, I know you talked about that Kate Winslet one that came out a lot. Mervistan, you should watch that. Like, I don't care. Okay, but listen, I'm telling you, you should watch it. But if this film, if that was like a two hour drama the same way, I absolutely would. But to try to sit down and watch something that's kind of going to be longer. It's it's, it's tough, like you said. But this is an hour and 59 minutes. Telling the same kind of story in adult drama. Interesting. uh, It moves. The acting's incredible. um, But you don't get those very often. And because it's been so long since we've had them, I think they have kind of become forgotten relics almost. Like relics of the past in terms of of a filmmaking genre or style.
0: There's definitely not. But let's be honest. There's... People aren't coming to the theaters for adult dramas.
1: Oh, absolutely not. Especially Even the ones you get aren't quite like this. You know,
0: As we get back to normal pandemic wise, um, you know, I'm hoping that there'll be a fervor to go see these types of films in the
1: theater. I'm hoping, but so, I don't know. I think the ones you get now are you either get lowbrow, which I'm, I'm fine with lowbrow, like, or you get like, like superhero movies, which, you know, I'm not saying superhero movies are lowbrow. You know, I loved the Batman. There's just, just so thought, many of there's them. There's just so many. Yeah. And, or you get sci-fi, or you get just regular action or kids' movies. Um, and when you get a movie that's an adult drama, it is overly artistic, overly it's it's such a niche, like you just don't get it kind of a thing. Right. That I even as someone who took went to film school, who who went to drama school, I hate it and I hate the people that defend those films and say, ah, oh, you just don't get it. You just, I get it. It's fucking boring.
0: Right. Some movies don't. You like certain. A, a lot of people like movies for this. Is a, this is subjective medium.
1: Right. Absolutely. But this is tells the same kind of story that those would mm-hmm. in a very exciting, not fast paced, but in a way that moves. Yeah. And doesn't take itself too. That doesn't stretch itself too thin.
0: Right. I. I there are. There are only a, a a handful of people that really know how to tell a story that are really great storytellers. Not just not just writing, but visually as well especially in this medium and it's too often or not people are just anointed as oh this is fantastic it's like we had a con we were having a conversation about the oscars for this year and this will probably come out after the oscars uh are are announced or the winners whatever but there are oscar films that i don't like like you know i'm just like eh, whatever but i that's not why they're nominated they're nominated for a variety of reasons um and you know if you want if you want to do an oscar special show for us we can't cuz i'll just tell you what i feel about everything but um but that's just same. Same it's all subjective but i will tell you this i will say this because i, I watched uh, west side story spielberg's west side story right. it's phenomenal it looks great it feels great and the thing is that the movie has the advantage of obviously being already made the songs are already written the songs are already popular so right. that stuff's good but the what he does with the songs and how we how they shake it out and all the all the actors and actors and everyone involved. It's just, it's, it's a movie that, when I see that it's nominated for an Oscar, I'm like, that's an Oscar nominated film. I'm not saying it's a winner, but I'm saying like, that's a film that I re- recognize as Oscar nominated film throughout the, the, the generations. People like to crap on Spielberg all they want. I know we are not one of those people, but right. people like to crap on him all you want. And you may not like all his films, but he is such an adept storyteller that he is far and away better than anyone else. I'm sorry. He's just, I'm. I, you can come at me like, Oh, you're an apologist for Indiana Jones for a uh, fine, whatever. He is still better than your best. I'm sorry. He yep. just is like, like I like Christopher Nolan quite a bit. I liked Christopher Nolan. No, I do, <laughs> that's my point. My point is, but I don't want my director to get on, to tell me that I don't understand a film because he mixes the audio differently and tells me like, well, that's just something that you can't, I didn't realize people can't handle the the audio tracks being mixed. Like, screw you, dude. Tell a story.
1: Much like much like the line in one of his own films, you either die a hero yeah, or you see yourself a right. villain. right. It's like the concept is... I get in film, in the medium itself, you can do different
0: things. But at the end of the day, your first your first goal is to tell a story to an audience. Yep. And if you are not doing that, what do you then you what do you do? What do we what do you expect from us? So I know I went on a tangent there. But but, <laughs> but my point is that like movies like Michael Klein, Tony Gilroy, this is a well told story. And I totally get your point about Mare of Easttown. And I'm wondering what a Mare Town movie would be like. It probably would lose a lot of characters. Right. And I get that. I understand that point. And like I said, I don't, now that I've seen Michael, like it's funny cause I see Michael Clayton as a movie. I don't know if I can see it as a series using your point. Mare of Easttown as a series. I don't know if I can see it as a movie. So it's just, you know what I mean? It's right. just kind of like, it's weird, but I totally get that point. But I think that I'm not, I don't know. It's forgotten. I think for a lot of people, just because of the people don't get, corporate nature. People don't understand some of the, you know, the the U of North stuff and all and the and the lawyer stuff. It's a little maybe above people because mm-hmm. maybe maybe that scares people away. Uh, but also I think people have watched this movie and like, "Oh, I liked it." But they don't ever go back to talk about it again, like right. the whole concept of this podcast. Exactly. <laughs> so I think it's definitely a movie that if, if you want to watch a really good story and maybe you're a little older now, maybe you watched this 10, 15 years ago and you want to kind of go back and revisit it. Right. I think you totally should, because what you watch on screen is great filmmaking and great storytelling. Right. And it's something we both love.
1: A- absolutely. Hey,
0: you know what else we love, Butler? Where people can find us. <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> Good thing you can find us pretty much anywhere. You can find us at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com, as we are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. While you're there, check out all the other great videos and podcasts that we host there. Uh, We're also available on, like I said at the beginning, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, uh, YouTube, all that good stuff. Like, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, It helps us increase our reach, I guess, algorithms and all that. Uh, So go do that. (laughs) Algorithms Uh, and all that. And that's what I got. And join us next week as we are going to 1973.
0: Where we're doing the movie The Paper Chase, which is a film Butler's never seen. I can't remember a lot of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a good one. So we're going to, yeah. So we're watching, the, we're doing The Paper Chase next week. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's it. Go watch Michael Clayton. It's awesome. Yep. HBO Max. Oh, HBO, that's right. HBO Give Us Money. It's in the TCM hub in HBO Max. Oh, is it? Well, if you just go on, if you have a Roku, you just say Michael Clayton, it'll pop up.
1: But yeah. I went to the search bar in HBO Max. Oh, did you see?
0: I see. You, just you. You watched it on your. Uh, did you watch it on Roku?
1: I watch it on my Xbox. My yeah.
0: Roku sucks. Whoa, whoa! Well, your Roku sucks. Your PS5 sucks. My PS5 does suck. Sony, give me a new PS5. You heard that, Sony? Do you listen? Are you listening? <laughs> All right. So next week, paper chase. Uh, until then, have a great week. I'm Mike Field. Yeah, I'm Mike Butler, and this has been Forgotten Cinema.